Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Think strong, be strong, finish strong. Rene Mativier. Like the whole cra- the whole race is getting booed. And like people are falling down, like Sarah Hall goes down, Marina Monkdan, like other big names. Like, people are like it's like we're just like it's like danger zone um and um somehow i make it unscathed i almost went down when sarah went um because we were right next to each other but um um i just keep looking at coach wetmore and he just keeps shaking his head no and i'm just like are you kidding me we're running like 80s like i like it could be anyone that wins but he knew i had a good kick and like just i just never let myself wait till then and he, he doesn't let me go till 200 meters to go. And I end up winning the race um, pretty easily still. And it taught me a lesson to trust myself and my coach. Um, and it was probably the easiest race I've ever run in my entire life. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the Trail Dirtbags and Hiker Trash. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right. 
let's get to this week's guest, who is an incredible endurance athlete, multiple world record holder, and just an all-around badass. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Renee Mativier. How's it going, Renee? It's going good. Hi, everybody. <laughs> did I get that last name right? You did very well. Mativier, okay. like Perrier. <laughs> very good. Okay, so that's that's the last time I'm saying I'm going with Renee the rest of the time here. So I, I'm one for one on pronunciation of the last name. That's batting 100%. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Hey, Renee, have you had a chance to check out the podcast before? Yeah, um, I, I, I hadn't before. Um, one of my friends named Brett, who uh, is a big fan and also badass adventure um, athlete, um, led me to you. Yeah, and when you say Brett, you mean Brett Gravelin, one of my favorite former guests who uh, his episode was just so much fun. And he is he is a badass as well. He's he's a, a great guy. Love to talk to him. We're still in regular contact, and he feeds me guests occasionally. And lo and behold, here we are. It's awesome because he I I I can't imagine. I feel like you could do probably a weekly episode with him, and it'd be interesting. <laughs> totally agree. And I've been pestering him to get back on. He's like he's like Doc. I haven't done anything recently, and I'm like Brett. We got to have you back on the on the podcast. I agree. Right. Hey, Renee, have in all of your adventures, I know we're going to talk about a lot about running and some uh, some adventure racing, possibly. Um, have you picked up a trail name? Trail names are kind of a, a, a unique tradition for the American long trails. You're out there hiking for multiple days at a time, multiple months at a time, sometimes. And people, rather than call you by your first name and last name, they they give you a trail name that's usually based on some kind of maybe some peculiarity you have, or maybe it's from, from where, what region of the United States you are, or maybe something based on something funny that happens on the trail, anything like that in, in the whole running world, or are you just Renee? I'm mainly just Renee, although I have like three main nicknames. Um, so I guess I'm not just Renee, <laughs> um, but um, I'm usually called either Rainbow Pixie, um, Energizer Bunny, or evil little chipmunk. Oh, and <laughs> what, what is the background on each of those? Um, well, I'm very colorful and spry and I'm very loud. And I also seem to never get tired. So both Rainbow Pixie and Energizer Bunny kind of play on those things. Um, and I think like over fairy, pixies are edgier in my mind. So... I like it. Um, and then evil little checkmunk is because I can be a little bit of a slave driver sometimes um, in my tiny 105 pound package. You'd be surprised. Um, and sometimes in a, like, especially like in adventure racing, um, I could be like, we're not stopping. Let's go. Like, um, <laughs> um, and I don't like wasting time. Um, and so, and then as a strength coach, that one comes out even more. <laughs> so, yeah. And as, as we are talking here tonight, um, in terms of rainbow pixie, is your hair, is your hair have, uh, is it, is that purple? Is it pink? What's, what's going on there? It's purple, pink and blue, blue. um, but it's fading. So it's in its light pastel phase, but it was in a vibrant stage a month ago and about next month, it'll be a whole different color. So you never know what you're going to get with me. This should be exciting then. (laughs) 
So, so um, but that's where the rainbow part comes in. But then I'm usually pretty colorful dressed as well. And then, mm. yeah, and I, I do get tired, even if Energizer Bunny makes it sound like it, but most people don't witness that. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Well, I, I might stick with Renee. I might go with the occasional pixie, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe chipmunk at some point, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep, uh, we'll, we'll keep you guessing here. All right. I'll be ready. So if you've listened to a couple of episodes, you are familiar then with the segment we have towards the end of the episode uh, called our pro tip inside of the week. And that's where I will turn to you pixie. And I will ask you to share some, some trail wisdom, some outdoor adventure wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised when we get there. I'll be ready. Okay. The must bring gear review. Hey, another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, six moon designs. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day adventure, what is the one specific piece of gear you'd insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Renee, what is your must bring piece of gear when you're out there adventuring for days on end? Does it have to be just one? Oh no, I, I'm I'm open to to multiple. The, the more the merrier. Uh, the, the more we get to to learn about you and get some insight into some of these products. So I'm pretty not picky with most of the things, but um, the thing lately I've always want with me is my bee-free uh, water um, filter top. Um, it goes on any of my bottle tops usually, so I usually just have the top um, because I've been going to like more remote spots and. Um, being able to filter my own water has been a game changer for not, I don't like to carry heavy. I don't like to be overly loaded with, um, lots of weight on me. Um, so that's my favorite thing. Um, but I also, um, like always have Luco tape and it has to be Luco tape. So, um, like I have my whole first aid kit. I'm not picky on what brands usually, but for tape, I, besides duct tape, because obviously that's important, but, I want Luco tape, which is um, an athletic type tape, but it's not stretchy. Um, And it's really amazing for ankles and taping out on the trail um, for support, many uses. But um, I've led a few camps where I've had to like tape ankles on the fly and it's, it's, it's the best. So I always want those two things. um, And it has to be like, Luco tape um, brand wise. Um, And then um, I also have mace on me usually pretty often because I'm a small female 105 pounds and I'm by myself a lot I'm very fast so usually I feel like safe because I'm like by the time they see me I'm gone but um (laughs) um it's a real concern like right now I'm traveling all by myself uh, across like in the country going in remote spots so um I I have bear mace in particular so okay yeah now bear mace is bear spray um yeah 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 it's bear spray yeah. Got it. Got it. Now let's go back to the tape just for a second with the, the Luco tape. Is that strictly for, for like wrapping joints or, you know, when we talk running when I see runners out there, especially people who are very accomplished uh, runners, they, they've got tape everywhere. They got, they got tape on their, you know, a strip on their calves or on their hamstring or, you know, all kinds of stuff. Is that, is Luco tape also used for that? No. So that's why Luco tape, the brand is really important. Like those other tapes are kinesio tape, which are stretchy. And to me, the brand is less important. I mean, I usually like a rock tape or performance brand and those because I work hard and move 
move fast and get sweaty. So like you want a good quality one that's not going to come off. Um, but I don't, I actually don't usually use a lot of that tape as much. That's really for a little bit of base of support, sometimes spreading fascia. Um, and, uh, like if you have a past injury, it can help blood flow in the area and help things get, um, so sometimes like in the past I have raced with it, like on my Achilles post Achilles surgery. Um, but it doesn't do much support. It's really just about a little bit of guidance and a little bit of support. Whereas leukotape is support. Um, leukotape is not stretchy at all. It's super, super like, like it's going to be hard to take off kind of thing. <laughs> like you're going to have your hair come off with it. Um, if you, if you put it somewhere where you have hair, um, but it's amazing for ankles and it's, um, I'm like, I have a special way I wrap it. It's just basically a U. Um, so it's super, it's not that it's super easy. Um, but it doesn't limit forward motion of the ankle, but limits any, um, lateral. And as a person who's had Achilles and ankle surgeries and a broken ankle, um, but really anyone that's on technical, technical trails, like, like Max King, he, he doesn't race any races without that on his ankles. Um, and, um, like, uh, it usually PT clinics sell it. You can also buy it online. It is the best for, uh, an ankle tape. Um, if I'm on a real technical race where I'm going to try and bomb down a hill, um, on scary terrain, like I always have that tape on my ankles and then it's in a pinch, like, like I said, I've led a few camps and if someone rolls their ankle, it literally can save the day. Um, so, um, it's, it's special in a different way because it's, it's really not stretchy at all, but really durable. Like you can use it as a brace. You can use it. I mean, you can kind of use it like duct tape, but it's, it's what's special about it is you're not going to have any, any range of motion issues if you know what you're doing with taping. And I, and I do. So, um, and if anyone needs any tips, let me know, I can send some videos and maybe I'll do a post on tips on that next. <laughs> nice. Are you, uh, Renee, are you sponsored by, by Luco tape? No, I'm not. <laughs> Luco tape. Come find me. <laughs> now, if you're not, you should be. That's a great promotional uh, clip right there. I love. I think I love everyone it. who's on the trail should have it, to be honest, and know how to do the simple you. It's the simplest tape job. It's so easy, and it literally could save the day. So. And I love the way you explain that. That you've got a very special way of of wrapping ankles, and it's called a a you. Yes, <laughs> it sounded sounded like it was gonna be really fascinating and complex, and it was like, and it's a you. There you go. <laughs> you have to use three pieces, though. Okay. All right. <laughs> now, no it's definitely easy it's not complicated but it's it's definitely really the most effective awesome way now as you were talking you mentioned the the mace and the bear spray um and you said you're you're currently out traveling alone i have to i have to fill our listeners in because if you're not watching this on youtube you have no idea i have to fill our listeners in on where where it is you're calling in from where are you right now what's your background I'm in my 38-foot school bus. This is Wanda. For people that can see, here's a quick little view of Wanda. Wow, look at the interior. <laughs> that, that wood finish is incredible. Thank you. I love it. Wanda is not a, it is definitely a luxury, um, not a hardship travel <laughs> bus. Um, but it's basically my apartment on wheels, and I'm a snowbird, and I don't, love being in winter so in the winters i'm usually all in the south traveling i'm in arizona currently now did you convert the school bus yourself or did you did you buy it in this current state 
I bought it like this. I will have to say I, I have gotten handier since I, I did add the mini split. So I added a mini split to it. I've done some small tweaks, but the main layout was already done. Um, the guy I bought it from, it's amazing. It even has a barbell holder, like my bumper plates are right there. Um, and uh, it, it was basically made for me. Um, but I just moved into it full time like a month ago. So. <laughs> and what do you think? How's it going? I mean, I'm in love. So it's, it's the freedom is incredible. And I love being out in the wilderness and this is the bus is completely off grid. So um, with full shower, bathroom, everything um, composting um, and it can hold 80 gallons of water. So I have 80 gallon water tank and so I can go pretty much a month. And then usually I book um, like some state park or RV site and refill and, and it's, it's awesome. Or I book like a hot springs place or whatnot. Um, and I'm just on a tour of, I'll be in San Diego this weekend. And then I'll be there for a little bit. Then I'll go up in the LA area for a bit. Um, so coming to a state park near you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you, have, you have lights on, obviously. Are you running off of battery power or is it a generator? How's that working? I'm full solar. So um, I have above me, I have um, a whole bunch of solar panels. Um, and three panels charge the battery that's up front that does my computer setup, uh, my speaker system, and if I'm plugged into my phones or um, earbuds. And then I have three batteries, which I'm about to expand that, um, that the other panels charge. And those are the main batteries. So all the rest of the panels charge those. Um, and I have an inverter. Um, and it, they power the lights, my fridge. I have a special solar fridge from Canada, actually. Um, and it does all the plugs and the rest of the rest of the bus. And I also have three batteries that drive the bus that are separate from that. Okay. And you've been out for about a month now, you said? Yeah, I, this, this time I, I, I traveled last winter was my first snowbird year and I still had a house in Bend. Um, and then um, this year I decided I wanted to go full time in this life for the near future. Now, have you encountered any any difficulties, any problems in the month that you've been out? Things that you say, "Hey, I've got to fix this," or we have to we have to make some kind of adjustment here. Well, before I left, um, because I am traveling solo and going to remote areas, I did my due diligence and got an expect inspection. Um, I made sure there was no like big anything issue wise, so that was good. But I have had um, interesting encounter. I don't know if we want to skip to encounters, but it's. Uh, um, yeah, I got myself into a pickle in Nevada. So <laughs> um, I've, I'm way handier now. Um, every day I'm getting handier. <laughs> so um, let's, let's hear about that. I mean, we're, we're here. We're talking about the bus. We're talking about uh, road life. Let's hear about the pickle in Nevada. So I, when I travel, and if anyone follows me, I look, when I'm really traveling, I'm on like run, tra I'm like trail, the best trails and the best hot springs. Those are what my travel landscape looks like on my route choices um and so i was in nevada um on my way to this amazing hot springs that most people don't know about it's a lot of it's not even that far out of the way and it's these two pretty cool pools um that are just locally maintained and it's free it's on private property but it's open up to anybody and it's they're pristine and beautiful and and it's a beautiful spot too with great mountain views and trails from there um so i'm heading there but it's like not near, I mean, a good 30 minutes to any town. Um, and those towns are 
it's a big word to say town. So, so I, I'm, we're not really, um, and we're about three, three and a half hours from Vegas. So I'm on my way to that area from north. So I, you're on main roads, like, and then you're on, you're still on roads most of it. And then you have a dirt road at the end. Um, that's a really good dirt road. And then you turn into the parking lot um, where this is. Um, but there's a lot of sand everywhere around it. So I didn't realize how important it was for me not to hit the sand because um, it's like flat. So I'm pulling in. I have 38 feet. It's not a small thing. Um, I'm very good at driving it, but I'm alone and I'm turning in and it's kind of a sharp turn and I should have stopped and straightened out. But I'm like, oh, one of my wheels might might hit the sand a little bit, but it'll be fine. It was not fine. Like not fine. So, so one of my wheels does go off the dirt road into the sand. And I thought it was because it was flat. It'd be fine. I just keep rolling. It did not. Um, I, I guess this bus is pretty heavy. And so it needs all four tires to have the traction. Um, and it was like 9 p.m. And I normally would have stopped and made sure I was fully on. But I didn't realize the big deal and mistake I was about to make. So that tire starts just turning and it kicks sand everywhere and it's not making any purchase. And I'm in the middle of nowhere. And this thing is huge. It's not like I can push it. I tried. I'm strong, but not, not even close to that strong. Um, I had like four people trying to push it. It, uh, it, it's, it's unpushable. So, so um, I'm using my, my brain and I'm like, okay, we just need to put rocks under there. Let's just dig out and get my, I have lots of tools. I get my shovel and I'm, we're digging under and just putting rocks, trying. It just like kicks that everywhere. And I'm like, all right, this needs like more work. And someone, there was like a girl and two other guys and they're, and they're like maybe a winch, but they, they weren't much help because they just weren't handy. Um, so, um, and I was probably the strongest one there. So I'm, I'm doing the work, but it's nice just to have people around you cheering you on. So, um, but it's not working. So I call a tow truck company it's like 10 p.m. in the middle of nowhere. And they're like, it's going to be like $300 to come out there. And then we're going to charge you $300 an hour. Um, and I'm just like, oh, fuck, okay. But sure, i in a pickle. Like, I, I cannot move. And I do not want to stay here for the rest of my life. So I say yes. But then right after that, this guy comes driving by. And, like, he's missing his teeth um he's very weathered but like super nice um and goes cancel that they're gonna charge you a fortune I have a wench and uh jack and and stuff and I'm like are you sure okay and then in my head I'm like okay if it doesn't work I guess I can call the tow truck company tomorrow um so I canceled the tow truck and he leaves for like 30 minutes and comes back or it could have been longer than that and um the two guys end up leaving the girl's still there and then she ends up leaving at some point so it's just me and this person and no one else out there which is stupid i know but i didn't realize that it was going to take so long um and i literally couldn't go anywhere um so i have my mace in my pocket i also have a knife in my pocket <laughs> um and um it ends up taking us like two hours and we do get the bus to move but it took way longer um, we had to jack it up. We ended up having to put like two feet of things under the tire. I had an extra pile of wood. I have a lot of wood here actually. So like we were using that as well as rocks and um, he had like a metal ladder and we get the bus out. Yay. Um, but in the process, we broke my water tank. I, it's actually two 40 gallon tanks for the 80 and they're connected with the PVC pipe. Um, we broke it. Um, 
So um, he goes, I'll come back tomorrow and fix it. And I'm like, who are you, Samaritan person? Um, I end up getting to know him very well by the end of this. Um, he's a firefighter, burned his hands. He's on disability. Like, like um, he's, he's not the most efficient, but he was super nice. And I end up giving him like $200 by the end. But it took like three days because he didn't come back to like, I'll be back at nine in the morning. And it was like 1 p.m. And then he forgot like all the things. So he had to come back the next day. Um, and I'm just like, well, I'm not doing anything. I'll just go for a nice real long trail adventure and jump in these hot springs. And I'm not on a time frame, so it'll be okay. Um, but like, I'm starting to get more and more. And then he's like, do you have a gun in there? And I'm like, I'm not good at lying at all. But like, I didn't want anyone to know I didn't have one if they ask me. So I'm like, yeah yeah, but I don't, not at all, but like, so now I'm thinking I might need one, but I also don't want one, so there's a catch 92, but I also, I do have my mace, and my hand is on it at all times, um, so, um, and then, like, asking me, like, oh, your boyfriend lets you travel all by yourself, and I'm like, yeah, like, <laughs> what lets me, like, I'm like, what, what generation are you from? <laughs> like, like, do you lock your women up in like their houses? I don't know. But anyways, we get it all fixed. Um, and I also meet the guy that works the hot tub, but we're, we're finishing and he's like, oh, you should fill up water at my house. <laughs> like, you're just like, why, why would you even think about doing that? <laughs> like, I'm so, so he's like, you're going to literally pass it as you go to on your way to Vegas. Like, when you get to the big town of Goldfield, um, you're going to have to like, and so I was like, okay, if that's true and I don't have to pull off anywhere and it's the middle of the day. Um, and I also wanted to be nice. So then I'm like, okay, so I'm following. And then I pull off and he is right on the main road. There's people around. It's not a big deal. So I'm filling it up. This is where it gets even more like, like what? Okay. <laughs> like, so his mom comes to the, the front door and she's got to be like 90 and she's just chain smoking and she's like the skinniest like like what you'd imagine a chain smoking older lady to look like and she's got a the biggest collection of dolls I have ever seen in my life like life's like because you can see it it's like a really big front area and she has it open there is a doll my size right there and then just tons of creepy dolls everywhere. And she's making one. She like comes out and brings it to me. And like, is like, I'm like, is this real hair? Is this wigs? What is this? Like, I'm like, am I going to be a doll one day on this collection? I don't know. Um, but I got out of there after that. Um, and they're like, come back and visit on the way back. And I'm like, probably not. But thank you for your help. Here's $200. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. R Renee, I have, I have so many questions. <laughs> so, so many questions we we covered a lot of ground right there uh, first of all i want you to know that i'm i'm always on the lookout for a good title to the episode during the episode i'm looking for a good phrase something that kind of uh, encapsulates what we're talking about and i love i love the term i have to see how it works out here throughout the rest of the episode i love the term unpushable that bus was unpushable <laughs> I, I think that, that that has some promise to it um, I kind of like that. Yeah. Time. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I did try. I yeah. did try. I'm like, maybe we could budget. I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't even know how many billions, billion pounds this thing is. Yeah. <laughs> now, I love, I also love the description you gave him. He was very weathered. And so I, I really got a, a good sense for, for what this guy was, was looking like. 
Uh, very weathered. I love the fact that you used the, the, the phrase catch 92. I'm not sure what catch 92 is. I've heard of catch 22, but catch 92 is like, <laughs> another, that's another level of catch. And so I can it's exactly that. what it is. Yeah. It is another level, another level, <laughs> another few. I might've just made that up too. Hey, I love it. I love it. And then what would you have done if after he asked you, if you have a gun and you say, Oh yeah, yeah, I got a gun. What if you would have said, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a gun enthusiast. What, 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 uh, what make and model, what, what, what caliber is it? I mean, what, what would you have done? How would you have gone there? I don't actually know. Um, I did not plan that far ahead. I'd never been asked that before and I don't know anything about guns. So there's no fudging that could have happened at that point. I just would have been like, my brother-in-law helped me. That's probably what I would say. Mm -hmm. And which is, you know, they're trying to get me to, um, I, I held his gun once and I got my hand stuck in it in like the two seconds. I I'm not the person who should be, I mean, if I ever got one, I would totally do all the trainings and like all the certs and like, because, uh, they terrify me. Um, and it would be in a lockbox too, but like, I, I mean, well, it is a real thing to think about as a solo female out here traveling. Yeah. If he, if he had asked that the comeback should be something to the effect of, you know, it's big enough to take down a bad guy. So don't worry. I got, I got that. I, got I that like comment. that. So, okay. Go. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. But um, as you were going through that entire story, I saw the start of no fewer than like three or four horror movies. I mean, this, 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 this was like right in the, the sweet spot for horror movie plots several times. Yeah, actually. Um, and I realized that even in this situation, um, I, I, yeah <laughs> yeah yes i agree well that that's but luckily great. it didn't <laughs> mm -hmm. usually we, we save our type two uh fun for for the second segment but i'm glad we got we got a really good one in right there so that that was that was uh that was a thrill ride right there listening to that <laughs> thanks all right thanks i guess <laughs> like i'm maybe because you know i'm safe and it was fine um but yeah, you know, that's I knew the great he couldn't catch me though. If I started running, there was no way he could catch me. Yeah, and that's another thing I want to point out. Not only are you you probably pretty quick, but you you also have the endurance. And so, even if you have like a a you know, twenty five yard head start, once you're once you're going, they're not going to catch you because you can just keep going. Yeah, I don't even. Need, I just need like a point zero three head start, and they ain't catching me. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. You know, the stories are so great because we get to experience, we, we get to go down that, down that story with you. Like we were right there with you without any of the, the nervousness about uh, any, any personal harm to, to us. And we know that you came out. Okay. So it, that was, that was fun. And my bus is all better. <laughs> nice. It's the hawking pole. All right. Now, th this is this is great. This comes on the heels of that story because the hiking pole, it's a seven question survey that helps me assess uh, your level of sanity. And so I already, <laughs> have, I already have some insight, I think. Um, but uh, these are seven questions that I'm going to ask. And basically, I'm going to give you a score from one to 100 with one being completely insane and 100 being completely sane. So the higher the score, the saner you are. Okay. If I were to ask Brett Gravelin, hey, Brett, tell me about Renee. Where, where does she fall on the scale? What score would he give you? Oh, geez. Um, I mean, I think I should 
like, I don't know. I hope he thinks highly of me still, but he hasn't heard this last story yet. So, <laughs> so he might, maybe he'd give me a 75. Well, 75. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll I mean, we'll, I did do that we'll Sweden that race, so up. I feel like that should give me some extra down points. Mm-hmm. But- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now I have two sets of questions, depending on the guest. Uh, the first set of questions, seven questions, all related to hiking or backpacking, you know, multi-day adventures out in the backcountry. Do you have a lot of experience in that area? Not tons. So, okay. I mean, right. I have the five-day race and I have a three-day race. Um, and then I've, I've only done a few other. Um, but yeah, m- most of my adventures are um, in the three to eight-hour range. Okay. All right. So that opens up the door to uh, question set B, which you know, I, I'm particularly fond of. These are questions that aren't necessarily related to outdoor adventure or hiking or running, anything like that. These are the big issues facing our planet today. Oh, they, wow. We, we, we could devote it probably an entire podca- podcast episode, maybe an entire podcast to just one of these questions. But for the sake of, of brevity and time, uh, I'm going to ask you these these seven questions, and you're going to give me your explanation, or you're going to give me your you know which side of the fence you fall on, and then a, an explanation to help us understand why why you lean that way. Okay. All right. And you haven't seen these, so you have no idea what I'm going to ask you. Nope, I'm a little nervous. I was going to ask, are you, are you nervous? You're, rightfully so, you're nervous. That's good. That's good. That that shows <laughs> that you know you're you're a little bit sane. So that's that's. Uh... I have a healthy fear of what. <laughs> okay. All right. So we'll start off. We'll start off uh, simple here. Question number one. Do you sleep with your socks on? Yes. or no? <laughs> I totally did not expect that. Um, well, um, it depends on the temperature. Um, right now I'm in Arizona. So no. Okay. But sometimes yes. If it's below 30 you know, degrees. There are people out there who are adamant about this, that they would never, ever sleep with socks on. They need their, their, their feet, uh, just free, not, not confined to the, to, to a sock. I mean, I like them free, but like my toes are like popsicles sometimes. And you can ask, um, my partner, Chris, and he will be like, please put socks on. (laughs) (laughs) So for other people's well being, sometimes. (laughs) All right. That makes sense. Question number two, does pineapple belong on pizza? No. No. I will eat it though. Let let me make a notation. Oh no. All right. I prefer my pizza without pineapple, but I eat everything. So I will eat pizza with pineapple and I'll still probably really love it. I just prefer pizza with tomato sauce and like, I like classic pizza the best classic. always. You're, you're a classic girl. Um, and sometimes. In <laughs> <laughs> pizza, yes. Not much else. <laughs> now, you said you eat just about everything. I mean, there, you, 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 exclude, you exclude no food group. You're an equal opportunity nope. devourer. There's only like one thing I don't like, and it's canned black olives. But I'll eat every other olive. All right, I'm with you on the canned black olives. I'm I'm with you on uh, if you were to say all olives, I'd, I'd be with you on that. What, <laughs> well, what is I it did research canned, on this. What is it about the canned black olives that that rubs you the wrong way? 
so I found it odd that I could eat every other olive. In fact, I, I eat them from the jar, just not the canned ones. And they actually, this isn't, not everyone knows this. They actually soak it in lye, which is a poison to speed up. That's what turns it black and what speeds up the ripening. And that's why other olives are more expensive because they take a long time to ripen. Now they do rinse the lye off, but it is a poison and trace amounts are still there. It's safe to eat. So if you do love them, it's safe but you are getting trace amounts of lye and some people can taste it. Um, and literally I can't even pull them off of things like, like, and I can do that with, like, I, there's nothing I don't like pretty much. And that's it. Um, and uh, if it's cooked on there, I don't really want it. Sometimes I can pull them off. It's not many, but um, yeah. Okay. Now when you say lye, that's L Y E that that's the stuff that serial killers use to dissolve the yes. bodies, right? Yes. That right, is, okay. that's exactly it. We're yeah. going to continue that theme through the that's right, yeah. episode. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Question, question number three. This is a big one. Do you roll your toilet paper over or under? I've been trained to always be over at this point. All right. But I used to not give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, who, I, I'm curious who, who has trained you. <laughs> again we're gonna go back to chris <laughs> chris has strong feelings on this <laughs> yes he does <laughs> okay now I, I i understand your your point of view you did, didn't have an opinion one way or the other chris has converted you so i'm going to ask this next question this is, this is not part of the poll uh this is a corollary um is chris's position on the toilet paper over or under is it so strong that if he if he's at a friend or a relative's house on the throne and he sees it the wrong way will he take the time to correct that situation <laughs> people do that don't they they do yeah. <laughs> i don't think so okay all right i mean i wouldn't put it past actually but i don't think he would actually do it okay question number four question number four Cats or dogs? Both, but right now, cat. Oh, look at look at that kitty cat right there. <laughs> that was a black. He's cat. right here. Yeah, yeah. This is Ray Ray. Um, he was my sister's cat, and I saved him. And now he's my adventure buddy, and he's got a harness and leash himself, and he loves hot springs as well. So with a <laughs> with a leash and a harness, do you, do you walk the cat? <laughs> You don't walk a cat, they walk you. That's pretty much what happens. Um, but um, only when we're not in like, we're in a safe area where we're not gonna be around a whole bunch of other animals. Like when I'm in the middle of nowhere, yeah, he comes outside and we go for little adventures. And then, um, but I don't like, responsible cat owners shouldn't be like taking them to around where like lots of dogs are. And like, um, and I do have a Husky with Chris. She's in Oregon right now, so I miss her um, with with dad. But um um, she does adventures and they actually like going out together sometimes. Do you have a preference of just in general, not between those, those two specific uh, pets that you have, but do you have a preference in general of dogs over cats or cats over dogs? Thanks for clarifying that I'm not choosing my animals. Right. <laughs> um, uh, I, I guess you would always, I, I started with cats and um, they also fit like, I like how independent but cuddly they are when they want, but that works with my life. Um, and I can leave, like he, he's such a great cat. Like it's perfect um, companion in the school bus. Um, the 
Raider though, like she can actually run with me, which sometimes gives her a leg up for that part. Um, that kind of fun that you have together on a trail, um, but she's gotten slower and can't keep up anymore. So except for my slowest, but um, yeah, I've always been cat, like, but I like all the furries or non-furries. I love all animals, but if I had to pick the best one or my first love, it would be cat. Okay. Question number five. This is going by fast. Question number five. Do you use the Oxford comma? <laughs> yes. Yes. Definitive. Right yes. There. Yeah. Yeah. You, I you, think it's weird when it's gone. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, I think it, it leads to the downfall of society. I mean, you start getting I, rid of the Oxford comma, things just deteriorate from there. It's just chaos. I'm with you a hundred percent. I feel like it just, the sentence gets messed up and all that. And it's really important. Let me check you, real quick. Okay. For, no, my door wasn't, my cat almost got away. Okay. We don't want <laughs> We're that. good. Yeah. I'm back. Emergency averted. Okay. <laughs> uh, you, you were taking a nosedive there a little bit with some of your answers, but you came back strong with the Oxford comma. I like that answer. That's good. That's good. I didn't even pause. Remember that too. That's right. With, with authority. All right. Question number six is a hot dog, a sandwich. <laughs> I've played this game before this one in particular. Um, and it has two pieces of bread. So is it a sandwich? Um, I think to me, since the bread is connected, it is not. Hmm. But if it's separate, if the two pieces are separate and not connected, it is. Now, uh, Pixie, Semantics. Have, have you heard of a of a hoagie? Yes, that's my favorite. I grew up in Jersey. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, you know about the bread with a hoagie. Is it connected? It's connected. No, it's not. Is it? Yeah. This is just <laughs> blowing my mind right now. I think we just rewrite the rules in my she, brain. <laughs> she, she's got the blue screen of death that just came up. She her, her she's on pause as she <laughs> she processes this this new information. Okay. Wow. Uh, hot dog then fully is a hundred percent a sandwich. Oh. Oh. We we've had a, a one eighty. Okay. Yeah. I mean, hoagies are definitely sandwiches. So. Okay. There we go. And question number seven, last question in the hiking poll. Um, what is the better superpower, invisibility or flying? Oh, well, I'm going to pick flying. I wasn't made to be invisible. Another, <laughs> another possible episode title right there. I wasn't made to be invisible. Okay. <laughs> Hey, let me let me take your answers. I need to factor them through the John freaking mirror pod uh, algorithm. Got to do some math here. So excuse me a little bit. Got to carry the three. Going to divide by root two. I'm going to multiply that by pi. And we're going to adjust for the amount of tire pressure you need in the bus's tires to have just three, three tires on the road. And I come up with a score of 57, 57. Oh. 
at least I'm on the higher end, I guess. That's right. You're above 50. You're above the midpoint. So that's, that's okay. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to, we're going to find out about uh, all of your exploits and we need to hear about some, uh, some world records and uh, about some, uh, some adventure racing. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Through hiker owned Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Renee M. Uh, Pixie uh, about uh, her, her adventures. We heard a great story in the first segment there. Uh, but before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. Tell us about uh, your background. Where'd you grow up and how'd you get involved in running? Um, I grew up, uh, I'm a weird mix. I grew up in New Jersey and Texas, and I feel like they canceled each other out in some ways. <laughs> so, um, but I started off as a gymnast and a soccer player. And I, 
the Energizer Bunny um, nickname uh, has been something that since I was a child, uh, I've always had a lot of energy. And so I was put into sports from age, when you first can, at like age four, three and four, um, because my parents had to. <laughs> so um, at least to have a sane experience in the house. Um, so I started off burn mostly- up the, Burn up some of that energy. Yep. Yep. Just yeah. like putting your dog to doggy school or something. <laughs> no, kidding. Um, but uh, yeah, I always had a lot of energy. And um, so I started off with soccer, gymnastics. Um, I also did a little ballet that most people don't know. Like it was very early. Um, and um, uh, gymnastics ended up taking over my life at one point. Um, and I thought I'd be an Olympian in that. I'm five foot two now, but I grew seven inches the year after gymnastics as an FYI. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I think I would have been really tiny. <laughs> but, um, um, and uh, um, I ended up with two big arm um, accidents where I dislocated my elbow twice um, and had to quit gymnastics. Um, and that was right. The second time was sixth grade. And so seventh grade was right when like kind of all the school sports are starting. And I still had this bum arm, plus I'm not very tall. So basketball and volleyball were never going to be in the in the picture but um <laughs> um I actually ran my first race um and I had gone back to soccer but like because I had put it on a back seat for gymnastics it wasn't fully in the front seat yet um and I ran my first race and basically that was the end that that was it um I came in waving to the crowd like a cocky little shit at the point at that point in my life and um I was sold so um yeah I, I think from there my future kind of got written for me almost but I do love running like more than anything um and not just because I'm good at it I mean that I think helps when you're young but like my relationship with running has really evolved over the years and trails in particular um, side. Like I actually like hiking now, which I would have said like five years ago, like what? Um, but I can get out there longer and do more and it's more efficient. And um, some of those grades, it's actually faster. So, um, but now, Renee, um, when Renee, I was. Renee, if you said you like hiking, you know, your score just went up to 59. So it's a, uh, you know, it's yes! festival. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Yes. Um, I've actually become like really focused on a lot this last summer to get much better at it. Cause before if a race had hiking, I'd lose most likely. Um, and now I've gotten pretty darn proficient at it. Um, but, um, when I was 15, they made me quit every other sport for running. Um, cause I showed such promise at that point. Um, and then now, I won you, state. Were you naturally good at running? I mean, was, did you just take to it right off the bat or did you have to work to kind of uh, get better at it? I mean, how, how good I mean, were you the, right off the bat? I, I ran a five minute mile my first year running. Um, yeah, pretty good. I was good right off the bat, but I yeah. had a lot of setbacks later and had to work pretty hard to get back. Um, I ended up in high school getting mono one year and then my first set of injuries after that because I didn't know any better um, and pushed myself too hard to get back. So I ended up missing a couple of years of running and then had to crawl myself back. And the same thing happened in college at one point, I ended up with surgery. Um, and everyone told me I'm just not built to run because I know it's crazy to to hear that now, like when you hear like everything I've done, but like 
I got that, especially back then, like, cause I'm four, I'll be 41 this month. Um, and, uh, um, like 20 spring, plus years of spring chicken. Just spring chicken. Thank you. <laughs> I do think people are rewriting the rules though. Like our, like with recovery science and taking better care, strength training, doing all the little things like sleeping, not just like hammering yourself to no end. No, 40, like, 41, 41 is the new 24. I'm saying that because exactly. that means that means that 55 is, is the new 28. So there we go. <laughs> I really do believe that though, at this point. Um, but, um, um, yeah, so they made me quit for running and I was great right away, but then I had a lot of setbacks later in life that not now, only humbled you, me, but when they told you after that injury in college and they told you that uh, you just weren't cut out for running, I mean, did you, did you wear that like a chip on your shoulder? Does that, did that motivate you? Yeah, I ended up getting, um, Achilles surgery eventually. And I came back and my PR in the marathon was after that surgery. And then I was told I should just have babies and quit. And I don't want babies. That's not my lifestyle or thing. But that's what they tell women sometimes. Like when when you're like they want think you should quit your career. That's what they say. Go have babies. I'm like that's not. Maybe you want babies, but that's not my life choice. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just being like it just shouldn't be forced upon anyone. No, no um, there's nothing wrong with it. But there, there's something wrong with telling a woman to just hey just go have babies. I mean I. No, no sooner would those words be out of a mouth and then someone might be swinging at you. I, I mean, that's just not yeah. smart. Yeah, it's not smart. <laughs> um, but no, I just lit the fire even more. Um, and I sought out and got help and ended up having surgery in Sweden. Um, the best Achilles surgeon in the world and um, came back. And then within less than a year, I ran 227 in my marathon debut, which at the time was in the third fastest debuts in history. Um, they've blown that out of the water since then, but yeah, but at the time it was, it was, uh, it was a big deal and, um, kind of changed my career to the longer events at that point. Now, Renee, help me, help me understand something. Cause looking through your resume, um, I see that you are an 11 time all American when you're at Colorado and Georgia tech. Now, yep. I'm assuming I, I, I just, I probably just don't know enough. I assume that, you know, all American that comes around once a year. Unless, unless, how, how do you, how do you, how are you an 11 time all American? You weren't in college for 11 years, were you? No, no, I did four seasons, but I did, um, that is three sports. So, but that's cross country, indoor track and outdoor track. Got so it. you have an opportunity to get, um, three per year or more if you double, um, at an event. Um, so yeah, but you only get one shot in each race of the year. Um, but cross country, indoor track and outdoor track made up mine. 11 time all American. That's a lot of hardware. <laughs> Thanks. And I finally won at the end. <laughs> so tell us about that. Tell us about, uh, is it, was it, are you referring to the 3000 meter? Yeah. Yeah. The race yeah. I wasn't even going to race. <laughs> so yeah, take, it was... take us through that. How, how'd that, how'd that go? Well, I'd gone second many times already at this point um, and um, in very good races too, like in like Shalane Flanagan and Kim Smith, like some pretty amazing names. Um, and so I'm pretty proud of being second to them too. Um, but I, I haven't always been known for my racing strategy. Um, 
yeah, I've gotten much better. So, um, but I do tend to like to lead and that's not always great for championship events. Um, and the one I actually won, I was doubling the 5,000 meter and 3,000 meter. And um, my 3,000 was the extra race and the 5,000 was the one I was supposed to win. But um, uh, I just run, I just made world cross as a college student. So I didn't do many indoor races because I did the one to qualify and I ran conference, but I missed most of the indoor season because I ran um, the senior cross country um, championships um, to make worlds in France for my first world team. And um, so I wanted to go for a record and I only chance I had was to do it at NCAAs, which um, when you're in a championship race, you should just be racing and you shouldn't be thinking about going for records. But um, I, it was my only shot if I wanted to go for a record and so and I said I was feeling really good that I, I was like kind of on fire that year um and I I just made the world team and I was like I'm going for it but I felt like crap because I just raced this huge championship and then went to this one and I didn't have enough time to recover and I didn't listen to my body and I just stuck to my my plan like no I'm gonna go for this and I just killed myself no one else went with me because they're not stupid and um I just killed myself and I ended up fourth so um and the 3000 was the next day and I was like so upset that I actually ran like a hour and a half cool down and then I went for an hour run that morning the next day I just raced and I'm tired what am I doing but I think I just said fuck it I'm just gonna run and I want to run and then I get to this 3000 and my coach is just like, you're not allowed to lead, just like get in the back and then see what happens. And the race starts going really pedestrian because everyone's expecting me to lead because that's what I was, that's what I did. Um, and um, I just keep looking at him because we're getting booed. Like the whole crap, the whole race is getting booed and like people are falling down. Like Sarah Hall goes down, Maria and like other big names, like people are like, it's like, we're just like, it's like danger zone. Um, and um, somehow I make it unscathed. I almost went down when Sarah went because um, we were right next to each other. But um, um, I just keep looking at Coach Wetmore and he just keeps shaking his head no. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? We're running like 80s. Like I like it could be anyone that wins. But he knew I had a good kick. And like just I just never let myself wait till then. And he, he doesn't let me go till 200 meters to go. And I end up winning the race um, pretty easily still. And it taught me a lesson to trust myself and my coach. Um, and it was probably the easiest race I've ever run in my entire life. Um, so uh, go figure. <laughs> nice. So the, the preferred running strategy is not to go out like gangbusters, gangbusters and try and lead the entire race wire to wire. But uh, sounds like you want to hang back and kind of strategize and make your make your move when it's appropriate. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you can lead wire to wire if you're like the like far and ahead best athlete in the field, then that can work. Um, and if you're going for a time, but a championship race, you should play the field. Um, like, have you ever watched Mo Farah race like in a championship? Yes, yes. It's a work of art. Like if you watch when he wins his double gold, like he is using the least amount of energy of everybody in the entire pack. It's like, he just, he's just like knows when the pockets are there and he just like slides into like, he's not, he's not like being jostled like other people. Like, it's just like this, like perfect, like one of my favorite fantasy books is um, 
if anyone here is, uh, hopefully, maybe you've read it. It's um, In the Name of the Wind by Pathic Rothfuss. I have not read it. I might that. have mispronounced. It's really good. Um, and um, it's really good. It's It starts, it's crazy. It talks from the hero's perspective, but he's like not kind to himself while he's talking, which is an interesting thing. Um, but when he's in training, he's like under this tree and he's supposed to just move the least amount of effort to avoid the leaves. Like, and just like be one with it and like just barely like waste the least amount of energy to miss being hit by a leaf. And I just like that, it, like to me, it's like how Mo Farah races. It's like literally the least amount to be perfectly in the right spot at the right time and to not waste energy. And I think that has been like, really like since then has really like hit home. Like it's about, and that really applies the longer the race goes, it gets even more important or, or events. Like I've done now done some crazy things where it's, it's hard to stay focused even the whole time you need to save every ounce for, and, and it's the longer the event, the more important that is. And that's, that that race even though that was actually what my shortest championship race <laughs> um actually stopped me a lot for going forward as a longer distance athlete now now the way you describe that makes me think of running as an art form and if running is an art form then the runner is the artist and so the way the way you describe that kind of that kind of gels really nicely yeah i like that yeah i mean it's like poetry in motion in some mm -hmm. ways right now the the three thousand meter championship in two thousand five for for uh, NCAA that that wasn't your only championship. You've got several others. You've got the the three thousand in two thousand ten. Yeah, so those are U.S. championships now, US not college ones. Got it. Yeah. Got it. And also, and the that's my first one. And again, okay. I wasn't supposed to race that race. Um, oh. And uh, I just run and made my I think fifth World Cross right before that. Mm -hmm. um, fourth or fifth. Um, I made five total. I don't remember if that was the fourth or fifth, but I ran terrible. And it was like, I, I thought I was, I had gotten second to Shalane the year before. And so I thought I was going to be challenging for the top three. And I barely made the team and was like, I think fifth. And I was very upset with myself. And the 3000 was the next weekend. And they have a rule that if you make the world team, you don't have to qualify. You can get a buy in and, um, uh, request entry into the 3000 meter. So I just wanted to race again. I had done no track work, no 3000 meters. I'd run in my first half marathon the month before, but I just was like, so mad. I just wanted to be on a start line. And I, I was like, I'm going to go do this. And then I ended up having the best race ever. Cause I think I had no expectations on me and just ran to my full capabilities. And I did something really crazy. I took it like girls were all 1500 meter runners that went to the front and like put the brakes on the race. And I had just run a half marathon in cross country. That was five mile race. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not playing around here and running slow. And then we're going to turn this into just like an 800 meter race. So I just took off and no one went with me. And, um, uh, it, I, I actually think I still won because my coach was so mad and I could tell he was so mad right there because I was like under strict rules to not take the lead for six laps. Um, and I took it at like 200 meters in. And, um, but this time it works out for me. So it's, um, but um, I ended up getting so far ahead, but Shannon Roberry and Sarah Hall chased me at the end, but I had a gear I was saving and they had to work their tails off to catch me. Um, and then I win by 0 0.02 seconds. Oh, wow. Tight. Yeah. <laughs> Very tight. Now you also it was one have, of those. 
you also have U.S. championships in the 20K, the half, and also is the is the USATF Marathon Trail Championship is that is that a U.S. championship? Yeah, as well. It's yeah. trail. Yeah, trail championship. Nice. That, that, I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's quite a diversity of of events. Yeah. As soon as I did that first marathon, um, my life kind of changed, and I started doing longer. And then um, the trail marathon half and marath and the marathon were my first two trail races. So, um, and, uh, I kind of fell in love after that. So, <laughs> um, my life kind of changed a little bit after that, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't see the 3000 in my future anymore. So I'm glad I got those done when I was young, but, um, um I do think that's it's just not far enough. Yeah. I think it's, it's a different kind of pain, but, um, I do think that speed serves me well um, in the longer stuff in my efficiency, but um, I think my, like, I think you got to follow your passion at some point. And like, I was really into those when I was young at this point, like I like exploring and doing new things. And I think it just over the time you're, you, you evolve. And I think whenever your passion aligns with what you're doing and that's where the magic happens and so for me to be in my 40s and like still crushing and loving it is keeping it something I love and not something I'm forced to do now what was your most recent marathon when's the last time you ran a marathon it's been a while now actually um I kind of went on the deep end the last couple of years, um, which we haven't talked about yet much, but um, I got recruited to do some adventure racing. So um, I haven't run a marathon in a while. In 2020, I ran the marathon Olympic trials coming back from a broken ankle um, and tried to get back to challenge for that team. Um, so my first month back running, I got my qualifier and then I had about two months to the trials. So, and then the world shut down. Um, and then the treadmill challenge came on my door. So since there wasn't a lot of racing going on and I'm, I'm a yes person, it's actually one of my faults. I need to learn to say no a little bit more, but if you ask me to do something crazy, I'm probably like, let's do it. Um, so. so before the world shut down and you, you ran that, that qualifier, what was your time in that marathon? Do you remember? Um, well, yeah, yeah. Um, I would try to run it as easy as possible. So I went out at like 235 to 237 pace. But then when I knew I was clear, because the standard was only 245, I jogged in the last 10K. So I ran like 242. It was the most fun ever. I was like high-fiving people and like kissing babies and stuff. Not actually kissing babies, but. That's incredible. 242 <laughs> marathon time. That That is just, that's inconceivable in my mind. That's, uh, yeah, I've, <laughs> I've run I've run five marathons and and I think I've doubled that time uh, well, my, my best time, my best, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not a, a, a long distance runner, but I, you know, I enjoyed the pain. Um, I, I did come in in a sub five and that's, that's like probably the highlight of my running career, uh, thus far. So, uh, to do it. That is awesome. I mean, it's a different 240. That's, that's just so impressive. Yeah. And so my next goal, I think I just decided that I am going to go for my six Olympic trials, um, in the marathon. Um, and the time is two thirty-seven, and I don't think I should have trouble doing it. Um, I still have yet to run a marathon in the super shoes. So, um, I, I want to see if I can PR, which my PR is currently two twenty-seven, And so I'd love to be two twenty-five. So I think I'm going to go for it this year. Well, you have just spoken it into existence. Good luck with that. And congratulations. <laughs> Thanks.
Now let's talk about the the treadmill because I believe that 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 falls into the the is it the Chasky challenge Chasky? Yes, yes. They just started that business, and um, I didn't know anything about it. Um, but Max and Mario, my two teammates, are Max King and Mario Mendoza, which are pretty well known trail racers. Um, um, they roped me into crazy things. That's a lot of it. Um, and they they roped me into this challenge, which I'm thankful for because it was so much fun. Um, and I can't believe I'm saying that's a 50K on a treadmill was fun, but it was. Um, I think it's just like one of those things where like hitting, I don't know, like other people would say it's like hitting your toe with a hammer running on a treadmill. But um, um, it was uh, for a cause too. We were raising money. Max Morrow and I decided that um, it was right when the world kind of was turned upside down and um, uh, we wanted to make a difference. So we, we went to raise money for um, a, a youth camp for free for kids from all backgrounds, um, abilities, um, and uh, races, genders, um, and orientation. So, yeah. And so what, what did the challenge consist of? So originally I was recruited to run a half marathon, but I got switched to a 50 K at some point, but, um, um, it was a live. Yes. Um, so they had a couple different races. They had a half marathon, a 50 K, and then they had the, the, the lone crazy hundred K. Um, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Um, so, um, Mario did that. So it did really help me because I saw him suffer for so long that I was like, okay, mine doesn't seem as bad anymore. (laughs) Um, um, But um, we actually, I had owned a gym at the time with a Woodway treadmill, which was the best in the world. And um, because we were going to have hard races and we're at a low altitude, um, Max was like, we have to go to Eugene. And Mario got a, a place to donate a space for us in Eugene in Eugene. So we, we drove my treadmills in a U-Haul to Eugene and it was set up with cameras and live stream. And we were really racing other pro athletes virtually, um, with every mile split having to be filmed and recorded. And I think we had like four cameras all around us. Um, so it actually became like, I didn't realize that it was going to be a big thing, but it actually did become big. Um, and so, the half marathon ended up being raced um, early, which is why I ended up getting switched to the 50K because um, I don't know what happened, but they ran the half on Thursday instead of Saturday and I couldn't do it on Thursday. So um, that I got switched like literally the week of to the 50K and I had not run over 16 miles in a few months. So I was like, this is going to be awful, but let's, it's for a good cause. So we're doing it. Um, and, um, um, and then I find out right before I'm about to go on that, um, Sarah Hall had broken the half, but, um, there's rules for world records, um, on the treadmill. You have to have the treadmill calibrated. You have to have full video filming and you have to run like 0.01 long or 0.02 long for, it's like, some rule in the treadmills. They, they sent it to us like a list of rules. Um, and, um, theirs didn't follow those rules. So it wasn't going to get ratified as the actual world record. So they were like, can you break it in route as well as go for the marathon um, on your way to your 50 K. And I, uh, Max in the background was like, don't you freaking do that. Cause you have to get the 50 K one. Cause um, at the time he thought I had the best shot of our group. 
to get the world record because the women's 50k at the time was pretty weak um especially on the treadmill um so um so he was like you better not fuck it up basically is what he told me um, so I'm like like nervous because I've never even run a 50k and I'm like okay okay I'll see how I feel I'll put myself in range and if I feel okay because that the old half was not too crazy I didn't have to go for like what Sarah ran I, I could go for something like more modest um so I felt really great so at mile six I picked it up to six minute pace and got the half um I think my time's a little wrong. I ran 118 high um, through the half and then I slowed down because I was scared. Um, and the marathon record at the time was only 242 on the treadmill. So I slowed down a little and then as I got close to the marathon, I was like, I still feel really good. So I picked it up a little and came through in 240. Um, and then I slowed down again because I still had six miles to go and I'd never been, this is now new territory. Um, so I slowed down, but then I'm still feeling fine somehow. Um, and so I ended up finishing at 11 miles per hour, um, the last mile and having a lot of fun. Um, so I, I would probably, I actually think it's the fact I got scared and would back off and then pick it back. I think the speed play helped me a little bit. Um, just not being in the exact same speed the whole time and then just breaking it up too. And then we literally were like being checked in every mile um, and I was racing others and kind of trying to keep an eye on what, what they were doing. Um, although I ended up winning by a lot and I broke the record by 40 minutes. By 40 minutes. Wow. So you, <laughs> you, ran, you ran the 50K, which is 30 miles, essentially. You ran the 50K in, in 3.11.42, three hours, 11 minutes, yeah. 42 seconds. And the previous record was three hours, 51 minutes. Yeah, about. something like that. That's I think, yeah. Mind-blowing. Um. And that world record overall at the time was 307. And I wish I knew that at the time, but I didn't know it because I had that in me that day, um, like up for any surface. Um, but um, so that's actually might be my next goal is to go for the overall um, as well. Um, I just got told that the 50K road championships, I can do my marathon trials qualifier in route. And that would help set me up as well for the record. Um, so there's a chance I try that. That might be uh, that might be kind of a lot to throw on in one race <laughs> pressure. But um, <laughs> now, what is the refueling strategy when you're on a treadmill running? That makes running. it so much easier. Really, that part was the easiest part because um, um, I my treadmill had little baskets, and then we had a table. Like I didn't have to like. It's literally, I could drink and eat whenever I wanted, which is not normal, like out on the roads. Like you have to plan it out with where your bottles are and like, make sure you grab your bottles. There's no trouble grabbing anything, getting anything. It's like literally right there. Um, so that, that was probably the best part of the treadmill part is being able to just, I drank whenever I wanted to. I was drinking little sips like all the time, um, mainly to do something as well. <laughs> um because there was no music playing because I didn't realize like Mario and Max are gonna be in like earbuds and I didn't bring mine for some reason or I forgot them and I thought oh we were gosh. gonna have like loud music playing so it's just like silent for me <laughs> so, yeah. silence as you run on a treadmill for 30 miles that sounds that sounds awful <laughs> I don't think I'll do it again <laughs> <laughs> all right 
Hey, Renee, let's talk, let's talk about what you've been involved with for the last couple of years. What's been your latest passion? Um, I think with COVID and a lot of events lifting, and then I had a pretty high stress because um, I owned a gym during all those shutdowns. Um, it, I just wanted to have fun. And so, and there wasn't a lot of races going on in 2021 at all, but adventure racing is like the zero contact race. You're with your team, but like, you're not even following a trail. Like you don't see the other teams really at all. So those events were going. And then um, I have, we have a, in Bend, there's a pretty big team, Bend Racing, that's there. Um, and so that's how they were members. We sponsored them at my gym. I strength train with a lot of their team members. Um, Chelsea um, and I are both small dynamite females. Um, and in that sport, you have to have a girl on the pro team. It's somewhat outdated um, um, in some ways because uh, uh, this is how they you get me to do things too. If you ever need to challenge me to do something, you just say we need, like we're changing, we're rewriting the story for gender roles in this. Um, And so they were creating a documentary called Mandatory Gear, um, which a female used to be on the list, like your boat, Um, very demeaning. Um, And teams used to trade out their females for a better female, like they would trade out their boats as opposed to develop like, like, team so um which is and this is it's changing already but um so they wanted to make an all-female team um and so she was like are you in and before I even even knew what I was saying yes to I was like fuck yeah and then I was like I've never ridden a mountain bike ever ever and I was like "I'll, I'll pick it up dude I almost pulled out because I almost like died on my first mountain bike uh, adventure because I went with her and she didn't really I don't think she believed me that I had literally never mountain biked like my level was zero um and uh yeah um yeah I it was a big hurdle for me to get over to continue but I didn't want to let them down um and um they were really great to me in the race so the good news is the first race we did was only like six hours so like I can run fast enough with my bike on a technical area area. So they would be like, Renee rocks off. And I would like jump. I practiced getting on and off my bike. That's what I practice. And then throwing my bike on my shoulder, I'd run the section. They'd be like, Renee back on. And then I would jump back on the bike. And so I got that down. So, um, and they were so great about it. And I was very tired at the end because it's definitely not the efficient way to do it, but I kept up and, um, uh and then late I've gotten better since then now but um uh it kind of instilled that team part um like I I think one of the reasons I loved cross country so much as the youth running is it's more team whereas running is a very individual sport overall um and so that team aspect I had a blast it literally was the most fun ever like I'm crawling in mud like we're in freezing cold water I don't know it was just like the shared even more shared perfect suffering and like everyone's strengths kind of coming together. And, um, um, so that was my first one. And then, um, this talk ended up happening that, Oh, the runners are going to make a team and Mario actually headed it. And so Max said, yes, I said, yes. And then my partner, Chris, um, who's an ultra runner and trail, um, person as well. Um, and so Mario ends up not doing it and we have to find a fourth. Um, and that's where I, meet Tim who ends up being on my swim run team in Sweden 
Um, and so we end up saying yes to this five day race because we didn't know what we were getting into again. Um, and five days is not the same as anything else I've ever done in my entire life. Um, sleep deprivation is not my favorite. I will say that still not my favorite. Um, I am a better mountain biker in the middle of the night though. I think there's something about not being able to see as well. <laughs> like I actually ride, ride better in the middle of the night, but, um, um, but uh, now that, that led to a whole different realm of um, pain I've ever experienced in my life. Yeah. Now I, the first time I had ever heard of swim runs, was uh, season five, episode one, the very first episode this season when I talked to Adriel Young. Uh, mm. Are you familiar with Adriel? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, Bacon. Bacon is his uh, his name that he went by or that he goes by. I don't know if it's a trail Bacon. name, it's just a name he picked up while he was a lifeguard on Bondi, Bondi Beach. But uh, this, yeah, this whole concept of, uh, you know, really just boiling it down to you know swimming and running and he lives in Sweden with his, with his wife. He's from Australia, lives in, lives in Sweden now. And it's, it's huge. It's huge in, in, in Sweden, in that part of Europe. And I had never heard of, of swim runs before. I, I talked to Brett, of course, and Hunter Leininger about uh, adventure racing, but uh, had not heard of swim runs before. I had not either before this. And I did meet Adriel in Sweden at the, the event we did. And that's where I met Brett, um, who is now um, hardcore um, I'm pretty sure I'll be doing adventure racing in my future again. Um, but this next year I'm taking a break and just doing trails and road and because of the Olympic year, but um, the swim run. Um, so I grew up, I didn't even mention it earlier. I also grew up swimming. Um, most people don't know it cause I never actually competed in it um, because the other sports took uh, precedence, but I'm a very, very good swimmer. Um, so I got interested because someone Chelsea actually the the main female on the pro adventure racing team been racing she doesn't really swim and she was doing the Spartan games they did this thing during COVID where they put them in like a house and did all these events and she had to swim so I taught her how to swim um and like gave her swim drills and form and so Jason remembered that and a few of the other people that had heard and were like okay this is running and swimming there's no bike which is my that's, that's your sweet spot right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you take the bike out and I'm like, sweet. Um, and, but again, I did not know what I was signing up for. <laughs> like, um, we ended up swimming like 25 miles in the ocean. I mean, that's not a small amount of swimming. Like, no. that's not like a normal amount of swimming. <laughs> like, like, and I hadn't swam in like 10 years. So it was, um, but I actually, the swimming ended up being my, almost my favorite part because it was so peaceful. Um, and we were just like in this line and night swimming in the ocean. Like I thought I was going to be terrified, like terrified because you can't see anything. Like I can barely see my line to follow. Um, but I, I almost like was meditative. Like you can't hear, you can't see, like, you're just in your body and just going through your strokes. It almost was just like, shoo, shoo. It was like, <laughs> that would be terrifying. You, you weren't worried about what was below you. I thought it would be, but it never, like, I just got, in, we just were in this rhythm and like, I really felt like we were like meditating almost like it's an interesting thing. Like you can't do anything else, but swim. And it's, I mean, you're, you're it's, 
I enjoyed the swimming the most, except for how cold I'd get when I got out of the water. Getting out of the water was pretty miserable every time and into the water. Um, but um, um, I actually enjoyed the swimming. It surprised me. Like I might actually, like I'm actually talking, talk to someone like this next year, I'm not going to be able to focus on it just because I really want to, I just made the decision to go for my six Olympic trials. Um, and I really want to hit the trail running world a little bit more hardcore and do the golden trail series. And so I'm going to focus on running and trail adventures for this main um, year. But after that, I, I'm kind of interested in focusing a little bit more in adventure racing and um, swim running in particular. Um, and the Attila World Championship is only like a six hour race. And I'm like, dude, that sounds perfect. <laughs> like, so, um, yeah. Well, there you go. All right. Hey, hey uh, good luck in all of that. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for Brett that you're going to be, you're going to continue to do some adventure racing and some sw- swim running out there. Um, let's, before we move on, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, I saw this in your bio, correctional exercise and run coach and strength training. What is correctional exercise? It sounds almost uh, punitive. <laughs> punitive. <laughs> That's a good word. <laughs> um, it's it's more focused on um, so correctional exercise. It's like prehab and uh, correcting things that correct imbalances and specific things for each person. So usually it's it's more specific to the person. Um, it could be like you have a movement restriction in your ankle, um, your talus isn't shifting back. So when you squat, that's affecting um, your form because you can't, your knees is not able to shift forward if your talus doesn't shift back appropriately. So it's doing specific exercises pre-squatting that are gonna help facilitate that motion. Um, other things like um, a lot of people have trouble bracing, um, alignment, it might be alignment-based, um, learning how to even move your ribs, that's a, because a lot of people don't know how to brace appropriately. Um, and um, that's really important in lifting. So I would say correctional exercise is more about correcting imbalances and uh, movement patterns um, that you can sprinkle in. I like to use them as resets and warm ups as well. So it's a very efficient use of time. Um, yeah. I didn't know nutshell. you could move your ribs. Yes, it's I mean, actually really that, important. I didn't know that was a thing. No. So knitting your ribs is really important. It, your ribs should expand laterally and behind you when you breathe. Um, it'll, if you want to get even, you'll be a four hour marathoner before you know it. I might have to sign up for some uh, correctional <laughs> exercise and some, some run coaching. We, we might, we might make some, uh, some headway here. <laughs> but all of it is for me is like, I've had a lot of problems um, when I was younger and more, um, and they led to issues, like, especially like with my Achilles and ankle and hips. And so it led me on a path to not ever have that happen again, because I like doing crazy things. <laughs> I like doing crazy. Nice. All right. Hey, Renee, you know where we are? Where? The Pro Tip Insight of the Week. That's right, Half Calf. It's time for the Pro Tip Insight of the Week. We get to uh, get some outdoor uh, adventure wisdom from Renee to make our next outdoor experience even better. So Pixie, what do you have for us? Oh, so one of my favorite tips, um, like for me, I like to know 
um, the route I'm going to go in, but I think it's really important to have many different maps with you. Um, I, I, cause you don't know your phone could die. The, uh, other things can happen, your watch. So like, I think having multiple ways, um, it happened to me today, even I was out on a run and I did not listen to my own tips and, um, only had my, my phone and it died. And I totally, I ended up being out there like two hours longer than I planned with not any fuel. Um, and I think you should always have extra fuel as well. Um, cause you might never know when that's going to happen. So I usually always have like a gel stuck somewhere. Um, even on short runs, um, because sometimes you don't know what's going to happen. So those are my favorite tips. Um, so we're safe on the trail and, um, always know how to use a compass as well. Okay. Maps, compass, extra fuel, and keep all four tires out of the sand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Renee. We want to thank her for joining us this week. Renee, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? I am on Instagram at Renee Mativier. Um, if you need to spell that, um, I'm sure he'll link that somewhere. Um, <laughs> I'm also on Facebook and um, I have a website, rechargesport.com. Okay. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakymirror at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. Renee, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for some kind of outdoor adventure media, uh, like a book, a movie, documentary, website, something that's going to help keep our listeners connected to the to the outdoors during the off season. What do you have for us? So I shouldn't just say the John Muir podcast. Well, that's that's a given. That's stipulated. <laughs> um, I uh, I mean, my favorite um, lately um, is the Low Tide Boys. I've gotten into swim run um, and they're kind of at the forefront for that sport emerging sport in the U.S. So they have some interesting stories and interviews as well. Since it's such a new sport, there's some pretty fun stories out there from people that don't know what they're doing and all the way to the people that know what they're doing. Um, and it's something that I had never heard of before. So it was fun. Okay. The Low Tide Boys, that's a podcast? Yeah. And, um, and they're on Instagram as well. Okay. But it's a podcast, yeah. What have we not asked you? And before we wrap things up, just one more segment for you called What Have I Not Asked You That You're Dying to Tell Us About? What, what do we miss tonight? Jeez. Um, I feel like we could do so many stories all the time. Um, um, maybe. Um, so my team in Sweden did not finish the race. So um, am I going to do it again because of that? Unfortunately, yes, um, but not this year. And I'll probably be doing it with Brett in 2024. Nice. Are you familiar with Brett's uh, Brett's finish, the way his race ended at the uh, the world's most difficult race, the Eco Challenge in Fiji? Um, I, I did watch that, but I think you should tell all of the listeners in case they don't know. Yeah. I mean, we we spent a, we spent an episode on that on the podcast. Uh, if you have not watched the world's most difficult race, most toughest race, I think world's, the world's race, toughest race, toughest race. I think that's right. That's right. <laughs> it was on Amazon prime and it, it detailed the, 
the the World Eco Challenge in Fiji is an adventure race. Uh, as the title says, world's toughest race. Really, some amazing things that happened out there. And Brett's team, Team Curl, they were in the thick of things. I mean, they were right up near, right up there at the top of the pack, and just a very surprising ending to that race. I don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't listened to the episode, if you haven't watched the series, but just an amazing, an amazing story. So check it out. All right. Well, that is a wrap from the John Freaking Muir studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Renee? Um, everybody, thanks for watching. Um, Millie, Ross, Chris, and Sarah. And Brett. Oh, well, duh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Brett, Brett. And Brett, there you go. Can't you wait? You can't wait to race with me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. Doesn't care if you want to go downhill. Doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you just avoided a catch 92 and set the world record for 30 miles on a treadmill. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. <laughs> Thank you.